turn in our New Testaments now to John chapter 6, and we'll be looking at a wide range of scripture, but reading this morning from verses 47 to 51, John 6, 47 to 51, as we continue in this series called The Jesus We Need, not the Jesus that we hear on the airwaves, not the Jesus on the cover of popular magazines, not the pick-and-choose Jesus that so often is kind of who we want Jesus to be, but the, the actual Messiah, the actual anointed one, the actual Son of God, as he is revealed in the Scriptures. And this morning you see he has set a table before us as we hear these great words, I am the bread of life. So let's read the very words of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Oh God, help us to see this bread in its truth and reality. Help us to have all of the amazing beauty of this bread. Thank you for the aroma of fresh bread to be broken here this morning. Would you help us to see you, Jesus, the bread of life? We pray in your holy name. Amen. Uh, this morning, I just want to talk before we come to the table about two things, and they are the meaning of true bread and how to eat it. What does it mean, I am the bread of life? What does it mean, I am the true bread? And how do we eat the true bread? So what does it mean, I am the true bread? You know, bread is an interesting concept in the Bible and still a a very interesting concept in our culture, and I use it as a concept because you're going to see that bread just symbolizes all kinds of things, not only in the Bible, but still to this very day. Okay, in its most basic definition, bread is food made from grain that fills our bodies and nourishes our bodies and satisfies our body. But bread... In the ancient Middle East, when, when, where the Bible was written and during the time of the Old Testament and New Testament, bread was like the staple. If you were going to survive at that time, you had to have bread. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but man has to have bread to live. And uh, it's still the staple in that area of the world today. And uh, as, as bread became like it... You know, the, 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 the staple food, it became symbolic of nourishment. 
it kind of became symbolic of food in general. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone. He didn't just mean the stuff you make sandwiches out of. He means there's got to be more to it than just being fed. Or remember how, and, and fill in the blank on this, kind of say it with me. Remember what Jesus, he taught us to pray, give us this day, say it with me, our daily bread. He wasn't just talking about baguettes, all right? He, he was talking about our sustenance. He was talking about our daily food. Um, we still call eating a meal together, we call it what? Breaking bread. Hey, let's break bread together. And so bread has this, still to this day, this, this amazing symbolic quality as a concept. And, and because uh, it was the bread that filled stomachs and nourished, it, it became a symbol as well, and still is today, of kind of what fills our lives. In other words, not just our digestive system, but what fills our lives, what satisfies our lives. And we could ask the question this morning, and we will, what is the bread the real bread of your life. Or, you know, like you could ask it this way. What are you depending on to give you meaning, to fill your life, to, to satisfy your life, to nourish your life as a person? Is it money? Well, you know, we, what we call money, right? What? Dough! <laughs> That's a lot of dough! I mean, we're right back to the symbolism of bread right here in our, our everyday lives. So some, for, maybe for some of you, the bread of your life, the satisfaction is money, is dough. Is it your job? Is it um, the identity you get from your job? Still to this day, we call what we're good at our bread and butter. This is my bread and butter. This is what I'm good at. Isn't that a strange thing to call what you're good at bread and butter? It just means what fills your life. But the Bible also uses bread as a symbol of spiritual satisfaction. You know, uh, when the children of Israel in the Exodus were wandering in the wilderness and they were going to starve, God brought down from heaven, and Jesus is going to refer to this in a moment, he brought down from heaven, and there was just fresh bread on the ground, just freshly cooked bread, tasted like honey, best bread you've ever had in your life, and it was called manna. But I want you to know, the manna wasn't just given in the, the Exodus and in the wandering in the wilderness just so people could fill their stomachs. There was a spiritual quality, and now manna is going to be compared to the true bread in a moment. Hey, look, yes, God filled their stomachs, but God also filled their hearts with gratitude because that bread came from Him. That was a, a gift from Him. There's a spiritual quality. That bread was supposed to cause worship and connection to this God of outrageous generosity that would literally bake bread for them every single morning, fresh bread. One of my favorite verses uh, in the Bible, and I kind of had it in my mind, and it wasn't quite right. I had to look it up, you know, to get the exact words about, uh, is it, Isaiah 55, 2. And it says this, and I want you to think about the spiritual quality symbolized by bread. 
Isaiah says, why spend money on what is not bread? And why labor for what does not satisfy? Do you see now, right here in the Old Testament, bread and satisfaction. You know, you, you spend all this money, you focus on something, you think it's bread. Again, symbolic for filling our lives. You think it really is kind of where it's at. Why would you spend money for something that's not real bread? Why would you just work so hard and, and let the, the main themes of your life be what does not satisfy? So we enter John chapter 6, and you may remember a couple of weeks ago, Jesus went up on a mountain and he began to teach, and it was getting dark, and Jesus said, feed these people, they're hungry, and there wasn't any food, and it was out in the boonies on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and those little villages couldn't, couldn't bake bread for uh, 5,000 men plus women plus children anyway. There's 12,000 people or so there with Jesus, and he had a little boy's lunch that Andrew had brought to him. And there, there the miracle happened where Jesus multiplied the, the loaves and, and, and fed them bread. It's kind of like Moses on the mountain. In fact, they said, this is the prophet. This is the new Moses, they called him, because he's making bread. And they all, you know, were able to eat. And then last week we talked about how Jesus crossed the lake and, and he's walking across the waves in the midst of the raging storm uh, that, that is just terrifying to his disciples. And now, in John chapter 6, Jesus has gone back across the lake. And these poor people, you know, they, they followed him across the lake to begin with. And he fed them. And then he went back. And they followed him back across the lake. And then they discover he's back. They follow him back across the lake. Or, you know, um, maybe it's a different crowd. I'm not sure. But uh, the crowds catch up with him right again in John chapter 6. And, and what do they want from him? Bread. They want him to do some more stuff. You know, they want a little more shock and awe. They want a little more. A miracles kind of breed a hunger for miracles sometimes. And especially we love a Messiah that gives us what we really want. And satisfies our hungers. And, and they want bread. And there's different verses where they're, they're hinting about manna. You know, Moses, God through Moses made manna. Well, they, you know, and he just received that bread from Jesus and they want him to make bread again. Um, but, uh, he wanted to give them something better than the multiplication of, of bread. He wanted to give them a better kind. Verse 26, Jesus answered, and said, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves of the bread. You just want more bread from me. Verse 7, do not work, do not focus, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now, we already have a lot to fill our lives these days. And uh, there has never been a generation of believers, never, in the history of mankind, like this generation and our children right here in the United States of America in terms of the incredible bounty and all that we have 
and our ability to have more and even to buy it on credit when we can't afford it. I was reading a book entitled The Progress Paradox. It's a really interesting book. If you want to read it, it's by Greg Easterbrook. And uh, what this book is about is it, is it outlines the history of the growth of the American standard of living in real adjust, excuse, in, a, in terms of adjusted dollars. You know, people are always saying our wages are the same as 1960 or 70 and all that. Well, there's all these ways you can play around with numbers, you know, if you're an economist. And this book just kind of blows your mind because what it does is it adjusts these numbers so that they kind of have apples and apples. And um, what the book basically outlines is the amazing growth of the American standard of living way over what our grandparents and, and their parents ever even thought about that we have today. And it is amazing. I'll give you a couple of exam- examples. People didn't just own homes like they owned. Back in the 40s, back in the 50s and 60s, home ownership has boomed in America Most families live in a house today. Are you ready for this? The majority of families, that is at least twice the size of the average house in 1960s. You don't believe me? Buy a house made in the 40s, 50s, or early 60s and just ask whether there's enough closet space. We bought a house that was built in the 40s and we're like, where do you put your clothes? Well, in the 1940s, the answer is you put them right here and you don't have as many. Because there's not all this purchasing power and there's choices to be made. Most families today have own more than one car. This is the first generation that our kids have had cars. And not just like, like my generation, kids shared cars. So it went from no car to share a car Everybody has a car. It's called a fleet, in case you're wondering. I never thought I would own one of those, insure one of those, and we like keep cars a long time, so it's the bane of my existence. Real buying power associated with our income has more than doubled since the 1960s. I know wages have remained as flatter than we would like to, and and our president talks about that a lot, but real buying power has more than doubled since the 1960s. And one of the reasons we don't have more money, just money, is because we have so much more to consider buying because there's so much more buying power. Therefore, the products available to us have multiplied with a multiplier I don't even know what it is. Okay, why am I I talking about this? Because I'm talking about bread, folks. I'm talking about what means something to us. What do you think about that? And what's the net, net effect of all this prosperity? On our hearts and on our real lives, are we more content with more? Are we therefore more happy? No. No, you can, you can just ask the people in the social scientists and the, the realms of psychology and psychiatry that you can just chart along with the, the, the progress, along with the prosperity, also is the depression. Also is, are, are all kinds of things that, that have just become 
uh, incredibly legion. And maybe one of those things, you know, the Bible says that people that have a lot have to worry about a lot. I mean, maybe there's something to that. Maybe, there's, maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. As bank accounts are more full or at least credit lines are bigger, people just kind of are more empty. You know, this past week, uh, two people committed suicide. I kind of knew one of them because I've watched his show. I didn't really know. I'm not a woman, so I didn't really know who Kate Spade was. Um, but but Gina and, and Emily certainly knew. And, and, you know, I've kind of read some articles about how she was trying to create beautiful things for ordinary people. And I was like, I really kind of like that person. Why'd she kill herself? You know, and there's Anthony Bourdain, you know, the guy that does the show Parts Unknown, and and I've watched his shows. And I, I was always really entertained. He's kind of vulgar, but um, but he was kind of real. And this whole love of food and discovery of culture through food, this guy had it all. Had it all. Committed suicide. And and it shocked us. Did it shock you? It kind of shocked us and reminded us again that all bread isn't real bread. So Jesus' words have a lot of meaning. They kind of bite into us this morning. Um, the quality of your life depends largely upon what you're depending on for the quality of your life. Let me say that again. The quality of your life depends largely on what you're depending on to fill your life. So let me go back to the question. What is your bread, the bread of your life? What are you counting on to fill your life? I mean, is it money? I mean, really down deep? If you think you just have more money, you're just going to be okay and you don't have any problems? And you're going to be secure? It's not true. Is it success and recognition? Um, is it about your appearance and approval based on your appearance? Is it about your social standing and your, 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 your approval based on your social standing? I mean, is your bread to be popular? Is it to be influential? Is, is it to be powerful? You know, do these things really just make our lives so beautifully and so we're just so full that we're never hungry again? No. Is your bread to have a relationship with somebody that makes you look good? Is your bread to have a relationship with somebody that centers on you in the relationship? Is your bread to have your children to be well thought of? Parentheses, so that you will be well thought of. If your children are well thought of and you're well thought of, it's not going to make your life. Is your bread recreation? Is your bread some combination of the above? You get the point. And these things aren't wrong. In fact, they're, they're so good, so many of them, it's why we kind of make them pri primary when we shouldn't. Because we realize they are good, but they're not primary. And uh, they are not the bread that satisfies. Uh, St. Augustine in the 4th century, one of the great thinkers of the church, said this, and he gave an illustration which is so great. He said, alas, you know it's old when he starts with alas. Alas, it is easy to want things from God and not want God himself, as though the gift could be preferable to the giver. So that's, you know, we hear that, let's, let's love the giver, not the gift. But then he gives an illustration, which I love. He says, suppose a man makes a ring for his betrothed to the person he's engaged to. 
And she loved the ring more than him. Wouldn't that be sad? Suppose a man just went and bought the biggest honking diamond, wrong finger, and, and gives the big, like, like, see? And then she loved the ring more than him. I mean, wouldn't you feel bad about that? Augustine says, that's kind of how we are when our bread is the gifts that God gives. And not God himself. Jesus says, hey, I'm the one. I'm the son of God. I am sent from God. I am the one who fills and satisfies your life. I am the true bread. I am who came down from heaven. Um, The bread of life that satisfies um, because it is what God wants to give us. In verse 35, this is like the famous passage. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He is the bread of life. It's interesting, the word life there, uh, there's two words for life in the New Testament. And one of them is just about like, you like, you like you, you're living, like you're breathing, you're there. Okay, you're there. You're living. The other one is Zoe. You know, the girl's name Zoe is kind of the modern version of Zoe. And that means life. And that literally means the quality of life. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the Zoe. I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of a different kind of life that you've been searching for that you want. And, and look, we get it. Don't, don't, don't we get it? And this is kind of why we're always kind of a little restless sometimes. You don't we get it? It's not just enough to exist. It's not just enough to just be there. We're looking for something that is life, what Paul called in First Timothy, the life, the zoe, the life that is truly life. And Jesus says, I'm the one that can give it. I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. And this is important because the bread of life that satisfies is nothing less than a reconnection of the God who made us. Down from heaven to reconnect us. And you know what? Because we are reconnected to God through Jesus, we have God. And you know what else we have? We have no judgment from God. We have a relationship with God. We have the... The, the unconditional love of God. Uh, we, we have God. There is no, no condemnation. And we have the Spirit given to us in a daily invitation into Zoe, into life with God and where that can go. And, and Jesus said, with, with this life, you're not, we're not hungry all the time. Because this is perfect love, what we're all dying for. It's there. He's there. Don't look any further. I am the bread of life. I am the the real life, this perfect love, this perfect acceptance that you need. It's there at the deepest place because Christ has come to reconnect us to the God who made us, who loves us, and who redeems us. And because this is, is connection with heaven, unlike the manna in the desert, unlike anything that you can eat called bread or anything that is symbolized, this bread never goes bad on us. It's eternal. It's a gift that's not taken away. This bread is always fresh every day to just know that we have a relationship with the one who has loved us and loved us. And we read in our text, this bread that I give is my flesh, 
that I give, that I sacrifice for the life of the world. And this, this, this bread gives energy for life and love and its eternal life. Okay, so what is the true bread? It's not anything but Christ, the Son of God, the one who has come down from heaven to truly love us with God's love, to reconnect us, to forgive us, and to give us all things. Okay? Easy enough. We all, we already knew that, Joseph. So, secondly, how do we eat the true bread? I'd like to go to verse 53. It says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no zoe. You don't have this quality. You don't have this kind of life. You have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me will also live, have zoe, because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven Not like the bread your fathers ate in the wilderness and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. I'll never forget the first boss I had out of seminary, John W.P. Oliver, um, over at First Pres of Augusta, uh, was telling me, uh, several of us, about when he became the pastor of that church, I think back in the 70s, and that was when a kind of modernism that denied the miracles of Jesus and, and really had no need for the, the cross and the resurrection. You know, we're all just good people. We just need to be like Jesus and be good, and that's, that's when we'll be accepted. So he kind of walked into this church, and man, he's talking about the blood you know, the blood of Christ, of God spilled his blood for us and God gave up his body and broken and, and this really elegant southern lady from Augusta came and said, John, do we just have to talk about blood all the time? And he said, why yes, because there's no life outside of the cross. And she said that I'm going to have to leave this church. (laughs) And she did. (laughs) How blatantly bodily and gory is that that I just read to you? Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood. we got a sermon coming next week called Leaving Jesus. Because this is like this horrifying saying that like the whole crowd goes, we're out. If you want to know more about that, come back next week, okay? But it's just the vulgarity of it. Eat flesh, drink blood. And let me, under, let me just give you the reason it's so graphic. It's because salvation has to be that graphic. Because this sin that has broken us off from the, the one who creates us and loves us, this sin is a matter of life and death. And we have no life. And we are living in death without the bloody Death, the sacrifice, like all those lambs, you know, in the temple and all those bulls, it is the once and for all sacrifice. It's His blood for mine so that I can have life through His death and life through His resurrection. 
Nothing can give us peace and rest and joy but the gift of God who took on human flesh and through a gory and graphic crucifixion. This is what it means I am the bread of life. This is what I'm offering you is new life through my sacrifice and my resurrection. And y'all, it's so beautiful. Because it's just not something you gotta keep score with. It's not something you gotta just keep striving and you never know whether you get there. You know, because Jesus said, in the midst of that shedding of blood, it is finished. The sacrifice is over and I am received on the basis of what Christ has done rather than what I can do. This is the life that God brokered for us. God! Shed his blood for you because God wanted to be with you. This bread, he says, is my flesh that I give for the world. I am the bread of life. So how do we eat it? Jesus says, eating is believing. Verse 29, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me, believes in me, will never thirst. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. So you've got to understand this bread is something that is given that is outside of you. Salvation doesn't come from the inside. It comes from outside. It comes from the mighty acts of God, chiefly shown in the the once and for all sacrifice for you. Do you understand God's sacrifice for you? His life. And then on the third day rose again for you to give you life. And, And it's believing. It's putting your trust in what Christ has done for you rather than in what you can do to try to have a relationship with God. But, you know, a lot of us put our trust in Jesus maybe some years ago, maybe two weeks ago. I don't know. But sometimes our bread isn't Jesus. And you know what's great? is if you see this table before us, just before his crucifixion, really before they went out to the Mount of Olives and, and Jesus was arrested, Christ called his his followers together. He said, go rent an upper room and will you get the Passover meal ready? I want to celebrate the Passover with y'all. He didn't say y'all. And what was the Passover? Oh, the Passover was about the, the lamb that, that, that was slain and the blood of the lamb. You see how all of this, how Christ just answers everything that didn't save, everything that was looking forward to him in the New Testament. And so what, what happened in this upper room is Jesus was right in the middle of that Passover and he took this bread. And instead of saying what you normally say for the Passover, he goes, you know what this bread is? This bread is my body that I'm giving for you. In your place. And whenever you eat of it, remember me. And this cup was known as the cup of redemption. He just kind of hijacked this Passover meal, you know. And he says, hey, this is about the the greater Passover. This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for the the remission of sins. And and, and whenever you drink this, this fruit of the vine, um, do this in remembrance of me. We call it the last Supper, And what it is, is it is, it is the focus on the flesh of Christ, right? 
God took on flesh so that he could be nailed to a cross and take our sin on himself to be completely punished in our place so that we could have life with God. This is the focus of the Last Supper. Okay? How is it symbolized? Bread! Y'all see all that bread? We're about to pass out some bread. Because this, this, is, this is the celebration of the bread, the true bread that came down from God out of heaven. This is how we celebrate together tangibly the bread of Zoe, the bread of, of life. And you know, Jesus knew that all of us would struggle following our own appetites to eat other kinds of bread. Don't you feel that prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it? Don't you feel that in your life? And man, we just listen sometimes to things that try to convince us that bread's over here and bread's over there. And, and so what Jesus wanted us to do, Jesus wanted us to come together and Jesus wanted to put some bread in our hands. And he wanted, whoa, he wanted to, to us to say, touch this. Mm. Smell this. Handle this. Taste this. Remember that my flesh is the bread. I came in a body just as just as real, I didn't want to break that yet, just as real as that bread, I am the bread of life. I smell the aroma of fresh bread in this church this morning. And you know something? Jesus says, it's for all of you who believe. It's for all of you who have me And want to remember me? Jesus talks about how he is with us. And the the epistles talk about how he is with us in this communion. True bread is about to be served in Jesus' church this morning. And so let us come and by faith feed on this bread. Symbolized by that bread that has come down for us. The Jesus we need is none other than the bread of life. Let's pray as we enter in. Lord, we are amazed. Why are we just so amazed every time we hear who you really are, what you've really done? God, you you just love your people so much. You want to give us Zoe and we found our life in many places Maybe you've never put your trust in Christ to begin with. Maybe you've been trying to have a relationship with God on other terms than what Christ has done. You see it? You see it so clearly and you want to come to him. Would you pray with me? Just just come with me. Let me lead you to the cross. Lord, I see it. I can't do it on my own. And I want to turn from everything that I've called religion and everything that I've called Christianity, and I want to put my faith, I want to believe, I want to put my trust in you, Jesus, and what you've done for me on the cross. And thank you that even now I'm completely forgiven. Even now you've come into my life. Even now your resurrection life is given to me that is an eternal life. Oh, Lord, help me find my meaning in your love. Help me find my meaning in your purpose. Help me find rest in this world in resting before your face in what you've done. Help me to find true acceptance 
that I might be able to love and accept others in your name. Lord, there are many of us that we have known you for quite some time. And, and, and thank you that monthly you just kind of interrupt our lives and put bread on the table. So we can taste and hold it. And, and so, Lord, that we can remember yet again that you're the bread of life. Would you be willing, if you've identified something that you're placing your faith in, to really make your life be okay? Would you be willing to turn from that and put it in its proper, beautiful, important place, but not first place? Would you just pray with me? Lord, that is what I'm really trying to get Zoe life from. But Lord, I know that as good as that is, I know that you are the one and in relationship with you is truly life. And so I want to turn from those things in my life. God, you may have to help me and maybe tomorrow morning I'll have to turn again and the next day, but will you stay with me with, with this bread of life before my face? And Lord, would you help me to turn and put my trust for my life and even the joy of my own life in you and put those other things in a proper perspective so I can actually enjoy them instead of trying to leech out of them things they cannot provide and being frustrated. Lord, as your people come to your table, would you remind us yet again that the bread is your flesh? Would you remind us yet again that you will feed us by faith the bread of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.